This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, please give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can give me a follow at jakeski52. Today we're going to be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights at UFC 223, live from Brooklyn on Saturday. But just this afternoon, John, uh, you know, he, he came out looking for attention. He certainly got it, but we can't get past the start of this show without talking about Conor McGregor and him and his posse storming in. And I only know what I know from videos because we're looking at uh, 4.15 Eastern time right now. As of right now, I know that there's a warrant out for Conor's arrest. I know that he threw some kind of guardrail or something at the bus. And I don't know. Rose Namajunas got hit in the head, but I think she's still going to fight. Michael Chiesa su- suffered several lacerations to his face. He's in the hospital. That fight's up in limbo. But, I mean... Where does your mind even go when you think of something like this? This ain't the WWE. No, it, it, it's just pure, you know, utter stupidity all the way around. And um, it's, I, I'm a little, well, obviously, everybody's a little surprised, but Conor McGregor, for all the, you know, the over the top antics that he's known for and the abrasive personality and all that other stuff, you know, most of that is, you know, nothing more than sheer promotion, you know, just to make money and sell fights. Um, but, uh, we were talking about this before we came on, and somebody has to, whether it's McGregor, um, you know, has to realize whether it's McGregor who just know has to come in his head, oh, I can't be doing this, or whether it's somebody in his crew who has to say, 
you know, look, pull the guy away. You know, this cannot happen. Yeah. But you show up with your whole entourage. Someone's got to pull you back. That's their job. That's what they're there for. Of course. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. The whole thing is just absolute stupidity all the way around. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, more details are going to come out about it. And um, Artem Lobov, who's part of McGregor's crew, uh, Dana White said his fight with Alex Caceres is now off the card uh, um, on Saturday. So um, this well, mess is already... Yeah, lost um, the prelims. So if you if you have Caceres or Lobov in your DraftKings line, I definitely want to get get out of that now. That's all. So it's already having an impact uh, an impact on the card itself, and certainly, hopefully, um, it doesn't affect Michael Chiesa's ability to fight against Anthony Pettis. Um, but like I said, this whole thing is just it's stupidity, and you know, it's just it's just dumb. It's it's not Connor's you know typical spiel of going over the top and, you know, trying to sell fights and promote fights or whatever, you know, like he did with Floyd Mayweather and all that stuff. You know, this is just, it's a totally different story and it's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, the water bottle incident was in good fun. You know, he's chucking a water bottle. Oh, well, but he has officially graduated from water bottles to garbage bins and guardrails and serious actual property destruction. You can bet because he's had that hundred million dollar payday. He's got a target on his back now. He's going to have lawyers. He's getting sued. If Chiesa can't fight, we don't know if Chiesa is going to fight yet, so uh, definitely going to want to stay tuned to rotowire.com for all of the latest updates. But, I mean, you get a couple gashes in your face. That's going to affect your weight cut a little bit maybe if you're spending time in the hospital instead of cutting weight. Uh, you know, again, this is Thursday. Looks like Rose Namajunas is going to be fine. Push through it. That's all set. Of course, Lebov Caceres canceled. So it's funny, just the other day, Dana says Conor McGregor is 100% going to fight this year. And man, it'd be great if Conor showed up. Hey, Conor showed up and look what happens. On a car that he's not fighting on, he's indirectly or directly affected three different fights on there. And it's just a mess. I mean, Lobov got into it with Habib earlier in the week. You know, both those guys denied like anything really happened. Nothing really came of it. and, and, And now here we are. So just a chaotic chaotic turn of events here and it'll be a lot to keep you posted on but john there's some excellent fights on this card and we have to start with our main event and of course it was supposed to be habib and tony ferguson fourth time that fight was booked fourth time that fight was canceled not an april fool's joke though the news came out on april 1st but the ufc gets max holloway back involved here now holloway uh steps in on short notice uh, he, he is a big underdog. Habib's uh, about a minus 470 to minus 500 favorite. Habib 9,100 on DraftKings. Holloway 7,100 here. I mean, Habib's a huge favorite. Uh, there are a lot of X factors into play, you know, on top of what originally went down today. But, you know, how are you picking this fight? I mean, at 9,100, is Habib a lock for your lineup? It's really hard. And, um, you know, the one thing you didn't mention is apparently this whole entire seen with Conor McGregor was them trying to get at Habib. Uh, I, I, that's what the reports are. You know, we'll have to see for sure, but mm-hmm. that appears to be part of it. And there's been a little bad blood between the two in the past, so um, that certainly seems like, you know, the most logical um, explanation, not that there's a lot logical about the whole thing itself. But um, this is uh, this is an interesting fight. Um, as I wrote, in some ways, it's more interesting than Habib and Tony Ferguson would have been within... Um, you know, Max Holloway being the featherweight champion and, and the streak he's on and all that stuff. And um, in other ways, it's certainly disappointing because of all the times Habib and Tony Ferguson, you know, they tried to book it and 
Um, Dana White essentially came out and said point blank, um, he's going to do whatever he can to not book that fight again. Um, you know, down the line, he might not have a choice, but um, he's understandably uncomfortable um, about about trying to book it again. Um, look, I'm, I was a little surprised that Habib was such a massive favorite. Um, I expected the line to be, you know, more like minus 220 or minus 225, something like that. Um, I didn't expect it to be nearly double that. Um, the more I think about it, um, I understand uh, a little more why. Um, Max Holloway is extremely tall for the featherweight division. Um, There's not going to be a big size dis- discrepancy. Holloway is even an inch taller if you go by the fight metric stats. Habib has a one-inch reach advantage. Habib is, you know, Holloway would have been better off in a fight against someone like Conor McGregor where he can use all his striking um, skills to his advantage. Um, the physicality that Habib fights with, and we saw what he did to Edson Barboza in his last fight, which was one of the craziest things I've ever seen inside the octagon, facing one of the most dangerous guys and most innovative offensive opponents in the entire company, really. And Habib just pretty much just broke him and beat him into submission. And I really think Holloway's going to have a hard time dealing with the physicality of Habib no lightweight has even come close to being able to deal with the deep takedown attempts and just the smothering pressure that he puts on you. And the more I think about it, I don't really think Holloway is going to um, be able to handle that. Um, I will say, Habib, there have been stretches where Habib has gotten hit too much on the feet. And we know Holloway um, is a very innovative striker. Um, does a lot of lot with combinations, throws from awkward angles. So, um, but Holloway is even Holloway striking. He's not really known as like a one punch power knockout guy. He you know he's more volume. Um, so he's not, not I, right who you would think would um, you would think would be able to you know score a quick knockout on the feet. So you know when you look at the drafting salaries, I guess it's about right. Um, I don't know if I would call Habib a lock. Um, a lot of the strikes that Habib lands are, you know, him with throwing his opponents to the mat and just, you know, pounding on the opposition when, you know, he's in top position. Yeah, I mean, Habib you know, has one of the best striking differentials if you go significant strikes landed per yeah. minute minus absorbed per minute, but that's because he gets into top position and he likes that mounted crucifix. He, 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 it's not just the strikes, but the, the constant pressure he puts on you after getting the takedown. I mean, the guy averages almost six takedowns per 15 minutes, and these are against lightweights. Holloway's takedown defense is 83%, which is respectable, but again, that those numbers were accumulated against featherweights so so this is going to be a very very interesting fight and I, I very much see where the odds are going yeah i mean habib, habib absorbs 1.5 significant strikes a minute which is nothing and the reason is because he's usually on top of the opponent um i will say this for max holloway this was i have no problem with him taking this fight for a few reasons i'm sure he got it he's been very well financially compensated for doing it um and the other two reasons are that one, nobody really expects him to win. Um, if he does, he's you know he him and he joins Conor McGregor as 
uh, the only fighter to hold championships uh, in two divisions simultaneously. And he really has nothing to lose. You know, if he comes up short, he can easily, you know, the people can easily, are usually going to look at this and say, okay, he's facing the guy who would be Habib wins Saturday. He's facing a guy who's 26-0. No one's ever beat him. He took the fight on a week's notice or, you know, 10 days notice, whatever the heck it's going to end up being. And, okay, so he lost. He's still featherweight champion. He made his money. He can go back to, go back down to 145 pounds and start beating up guys there. Brian Ortega next or, you know, whoever it is. So, you know, accepting this fight, it, it's kind of a no-lose situation for Holloway. I understand why he's doing it. Um, but I, this has, I think, and I like Holloway, and you're not going to find, it is rare if ever, you're going to find a fighter of Holloway's pedigree and talent level at $7,100. That does not happen often. So if you're putting together a DraftKings lineup and you have a bunch of favorites that you like, you're not going to, you know, usually if you're putting somebody in there at 7100 it's not the featherweight champion of the world and the guy who hasn't lost in four and a half years or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, huge win streak for Holiday too. Yeah, his last loss was against McGregor, so you know yeah. it, it's not going to happen very often. So, yeah, this was originally billed as the, or not originally, but a lot of people think, okay, well, the lightweight featherweight champ, the winner would face Connor next. Now all that's way in limbo because of what happened this afternoon. But uh, you know that's why he was there. You can make an argument that both are good plays. Habib certainly his style of fighting um, is going to be tough on Holloway. And Holloway, you know, on the other hand, is he going to win? You know, I don't think he's going to win, but, you know, you're never going to find a fighter of his, you know, pedigree and ability at $7,100. So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Um, it probably has the potential to end up a bit more lopsided in Habib's favor than a fight with Ferguson would have simply because, you know, Ferguson is bigger and would have a, an, not an easier time. And he would have an easier time of matching um, the strength of the beat, but there's never been a uh, there's never been a lightweight who has come remotely close to stopping Habib's takedown attempt. And when, the more and more I think about it, I just have a really hard time believing that the first guy who does put an end to it is going to be a featherweight. It's it's just it's really hard to wrap your mind around that kind of thinking. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I, I'm I've got a hundred percent Habib ownership rate on DraftKings just because of some of the factors that we mentioned. And uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that puts in a hundred lineups, maybe a handful uh, of lineups. But uh, the other thing with uh, Holloway, as much as I like him as a fighter, as much fun as I've watched him, or as as I've had watching him, and, and as impressive as he's been, he pulled out of the Frankie Edgar fight. Last month at UFC 222, he pulled out of that fight with an ankle injury, and and now he's taking a fight on six days' notice. So, uh, you know, I'm sure the ankle's fine if he's medically cleared to fight. There was surgery on the table. He opted for not surgery. I generally don't like to put a lot of stake in fighters coming off of injury. And then you have all these other factors in terms of takedown defense, weight class differential, all these other things stacking up against him. So I'm probably going to fade Holloway in, in just whatever circumstance on DraftKings. But you did mention, you know, you, if you want to put five favorites in your lineup, or maybe five, probably four favorites in your lineup and, and bank on Holloway, I, I'd keep it to GPPs. I wouldn't do it in cash games. But, you know, there's a case to be made, but uh, not for me personally. I'm, I'm going to be across just about every single lineup here. But 
that's about enough of the main event. We got another title fight to to talk about, John. Here, uh, this is a very a very exciting title fight. Uh, one of the bigger upsets in recent memory when uh, Rose Namajunas knocked out Ioana and Jacek uh, in their last fight, and of course Ioana being such a dominant champion, entitled to an immediate rematch here. Uh, let's take a look at uh, the salaries here and uh, the measurables here. We've got Ioana is eighty three hundred on DraftKings. Rose is seventy nine hundred. Ioana is a minus one twenty betting favorite, whereas Rose is a plus one ten betting favorite. You don't see those numbers in a challenger very often. And and my initial instinct, John, was eighty three hundred. That's you know kind of like how you were saying with Holloway. You're never going to see a, a featherweight champion at seventy one hundred dollars on, on DraftKings. I don't know if you're ever going to see a, a fighter as skilled uh, in terms of and then with the propensity to rack up fantasy points as well. Before the Rose fight, Joanna was locked to get you a hundred points every single night on DraftKings, and she was always nine thousand or greater almost exclusively here. So. Uh, I mean, are, are you with me there at 8,300? That's right about your average per fighter. She seems like a good play to me. Certainly does to me, too. Um, the most shocking thing about the first fight between the two was just how Mami Yunus just really um, destroyed Joanna on the feet. Um, and we all know Rose is a good fighter. She was a good fighter heading into the first fight. But her strength is not her strike. And Rose's strength is her physicality and her ground game. And there was zero reason to believe she could come remotely close to even competing with Joanna on the feet, let alone knocking her out. So um, She didn't have a December, knockout in the UFC. The wins were no, all decision or submission. I don't think she had a knockout in her career prior prior to the first fight between the two. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the, she only has one career knockout win, so it was that one. Um, I think one of the keys to this fight is going to be if Rose, if Rose goes in there and is confident she can knock her out again because of what she did the first time, I think she's going to be in trouble. Um, you know, there's even with the first, the results in the first fight, I'm 100 percent sure Joanna um, and all her Muay Thai titles and all that stuff is a better striker than Rose is. So even though she's coming in the champion now, she has that advantage and she has the confidence of knowing that she knocked her out the first time. It's really, really important for, um, you know, Rose to lean on her strengths. That's Mm -hmm. wrestling, that's submission, that's making it an ugly fight, you know, grinding. Joanna hasn't spent a ton um, of time on her back, period, in the entire UFC. Nope. Trying to drain Joanna's gas tank. Um, But, you know, this was the first time these two women fought, um, it was a... Both the salaries and the odds were extremely, extremely lopsided in Joanna's favor, and rightfully so. And now, um, you know, looking, you know, looking here for the rematch, and you're right, it is shocking how Joanna's salary has come down to 8,300. Still a slight favorite, but like you said, prior to the first fight, this is a lady who was seemingly a lock to get you 100 plus fantasy points every fight, and you know, all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, she's at minus 120 on the Vegas odds and just 8,300 on DraftKings. It, it seems to be um, an exceptional value, and even more so when you take into account that until I see otherwise, it's entirely possible how this first fight happened was really nothing more than a fluke. You know, I believe in Joanna's focus. I believe in her dedication, and um, 
I'd be very, very surprised if Joanna didn't look strong on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she blames that first loss on the weight cut, and you know you can you can say excuses, but fighters have bad cuts once in a while. There's a little bit of an X factor if Rose did suffer any kind of uh, noteworthy injury uh, in that whole incident fiasco uh, that was going on today. Um, you know, we would have seen something hopefully reported on that by now, but it looks like the fight's still on. So. Yeah, I just got to go back to Joanna on this one. It, it, a fighter that throws and lands almost seven significant strikes per minute in a five-round fight, 25 minutes, you know, maybe it stops early. Uh, the odds to finish on this one are about, let's see, what do I got here? Uh, minus 125. So, you know, Vegas, it's it's close to a pick as far as finishing or not, uh, but not super dominant either way. You know, you have to take a fighter like Joanna who throws and lands at that volume in a five-round fight. So, I mean, most of my DraftKings lineups are centered around Habib and Joanna starting one two and you know when you average that out those, it's not ridiculous crazy prices so you're gonna have room for other favorites in that fight so I think we can collectively agree at least on these two um, that uh, we're gonna pick Joanna and I posted our staff picks this morning I was really surprised we added a couple um, we added a couple new uh, staff members uh, here uh, I'll plug their show here at the end of ours uh, but you know we have seven people doing staff picks now seven people that have been watching MMA their entire life you know until they're and since they're old enough to understand it and there were two unanimous decision picks both Habib and Joanna nobody was willing to go out on a limb fall a pick behind and, and take Rose now I thought maybe at least one or two would take Thug Rose uh you know given that she knocked Joanna out last time but no it was seven for seven either way so every analyst here is behind Joanna and Habib and that's good that's that's risky that's burned us before I remember very few of us gave Ortega a chance in the last one but uh but we won't talk about that but uh I'm just saying that uh, most of us here are pretty dominant on Joanna and hopefully John and I would just explain why here there's a few more fights we got to get to here John want to move to a featherweight fight between Renato Moicano and Calvin Qatar uh Qatar 8700 Moicano 7500 now if you're one of those that compares salaries to Vegas odds uh in terms of the line um then you know Qatar's only minus 140 Moicano plus 120 um you know I've seen Qatar move down to around minus 130 right now um so how do you see this one, John, here? Can you kind of describe each fighter's strengths? These aren't super well-known guys compared to the next two we're going to talk about. But, uh, you know, 8,700, you probably want to know a thing or two about him before tossing him in your lineups. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, you, if you look at all the fights on the whole card, this is, you can make an argument, this is actually certainly one of at least the top two or three as far as lesser-known fighters. This is a pretty deep card in terms of noticeable names and, this is your classic grappler versus uh, striker battle. Um, Qatar is a striker. Um, came into the UFC as a relative unknown um, last July and uh, decisioned Andre Feely. And then in January, in an excellent fight against Shane Burgo, um, ended up knocking him out in early round three in a fight that earned fight of the night honors. So Qatar has shown a really, really smooth striking style, um, you know, a lot of volume. Has pop in his hands, um, still 30, you know, so fairly young. And now he's going up against um, an opponent in Moicano who is, you know, your traditional, you know, ground specialist. Doesn't have a knockout win in his career. Five by submission, six by decision. So, um, you know, black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu. So, there again, this is your typical striker uh, versus grappler matchup. I like, I saw enough from Qatar's striking that I picked him he just seems fluid on the feet. Uh, Shane Burgos, who he defeated in his last fight, 
is an exceptional striker, and Qatar did a pretty good job of tuning him up. But again, on a card that has a lot of well-known names, if you have somebody else that you feel more comfortable about because you have you know a larger background, you know, and, and a bigger base of knowledge about their past fights, this might not be the worst fight in the world to stay away from. But um, tuning in on Saturday, I think this is going to be a pretty entertaining fight as well to watch. Yeah, if both fighters for me, if they were both within two, three hundred dollars, I, I could see more of a case for Qatar because of the volume striking. But when looking at this by the numbers and looking at some of Qatar's past fights, he lands a lot, 6.27 significant strikes per minute, but he gets hit just as much, actually more, 6.34 significant strikes per minute. So, you know, even against a striker that may not be quite as crisp in Moicano, I think Moicano could land just enough to be able to set up some of those takedowns and uh so for that reason i'm going to pick more kano definitely um it's harder to pick more kano straight up in a fight but on DraftKings, i think you almost have to go to more kano with the price break that you're getting at 7500 he's definitely in the majority of my lineups and and another reason is i'm, I'm just big on line movement guys i mean Qatar opened at minus 180 now he's right around minus 130 there's a good chance that he, this could end up a pick him by uh you know by saturday night depending on how it goes so we'll, we'll differ on this one john but i definitely see where you're coming from and uh you know with morcano you're gonna have to rely on takedowns and advances and passing guards to get your DraftKings points with Qatar, you're gonna have to rely on volume striking and both of them are entirely feasible both uh you know if there's an if there's a I, I don't see them getting a ton over 100 points, you know, unless we get just like a fight of the night, three-round brawl where both guys are throwing nonstop. Uh, but in terms of value, I think it's definitely more Kano for me. Um, we got one more, uh, or we actually have two more fights on the main card here. Uh, this one, full disclosure right now, again, this is uh, 3.40 Central Time, 4.40 Eastern Time. We're going to talk about Michael Chiesa and Anthony Pettis here. Uh, going to make our picks in this one, and I don't even know, I, my pick might change even though i already already put it in writing so i got to stick with it but uh as far as we know as of now this fight's happening between michael chesa and anthony pettis chesa minus 140 favorite pettis plus 120 chases a full thousand dollars more on DraftKings at 8600 pettis at 7600 uh john i faded this fight because i I, i'm just not real certain either way but but if you if you got to make a pick who are you going with and why um if i i took chesa easily I'm pretty much at the point right now where I am totally against taking Anthony Pettis until I see something from him because it's it's hard to believe that not that long ago that this guy was considered one of the best fighters in the world in any division. And he just, he looks like a shell himself inside the octagon. He's, uh, his wins, uh, in the past, let's see, five plus years have come against lesser competition. Now, defeating guys like Jim Miller, defeating Charles Oliveira, um, you know, no shame, well above average fighters. But as soon as the competition has really risen, um, Anthony Pettis had a really hard time. His most recent fight, he was knocked out by Dustin Poirier in November. I don't know what's wrong with Pettis. I have zero explanation for um, what has essentially been just his career is falling apart. And he's only 31 years old. Um, his athleticism that he was known for, known to be one of the most athletic fighters in the sport, it's seemingly entirely evaporated. He appears to be thinking inside the octagon instead of just trusting his own instincts and, you know, and trying to, you know, instead of reacting to what his opponent throws at him. 
he almost seems to be game planning and overthinking, and the end result is he, he looks nothing like the guy who was the former UFC lightweight champion. And I'm legitimately concerned. And I'm also concerned that Kiaz is not going to be able to fight because of this whole Conor McGregor fiasco. But um, yeah, I just I just looked up on Twitter to see if I could find anything. Um, that, that's maybe why you saw, saw heard some of the extra sounds there because of those dang autoplay videos. But uh, I, I don't see anything yet that it's canceled. But you know, people are starting to think, man, if he, I, I haven't seen a picture of him yet. But if Chase has got a big, uh, big laceration on his forehead, you can't take that two days later into a fight where the whole objective is to hit or get hit in the face. It just can't happen. So uh, as of now, it's not canceled, but I would be willing to bet uh, it will be. If you do decide you want to use one of these guys, maybe if you take Pettis as a value play, um, just because you think, okay, maybe he can cut him open real easily and then the fight could stop from there. You know, if you, if you have that line of thinking and take Pettis, you're definitely going to want to look at your lineup a couple times on Saturday morning, pre-post weigh-ins, what have you, um, just to make sure... Uh, just to make sure that the fight's on here, which, you know, it's starting to look less and less likely. So I'd I, I take a definite conservative approach here. And, man, with Lobov and Caceres off, if that fight's off, we're, we're down to 11 fights suddenly. Just just the whole the whole Conor McGregor tragedy having just a ripple effect through this whole crazy thing. But uh, it, it was a good breakdown, John. And, uh, I mean, do you see value in Pettis? Even though he's been rough, like, given the circumstances, is there a chance you take Pettis if the fight's still on? I really wouldn't. I mean, maybe if, put it this way, if, say, none of this happened and both guys were 100% healthy and none of this other, you know, background nonsense, I, I picked, uh, I picked Piazza in two tenths of a second. I didn't think about it at all. And that, to me, might be the scariest thing of all about how far Anthony Pettis has fallen. And if you really think um, about putting Pettis in your lineup simply because you don't know where he has his heads out maybe against you know everything that's with everything that's going on i'd probably just move on to somebody else at that point yeah i mean pettis is 7600 and moicano 7500 you, you you're saying go with moicano at that point i probably would because then because if they're 100 percent healthy i don't think pettis is going to win so at that point you're essentially you're not really betting on pettis you're betting against Kiesa, and that's always a that's little a dangerous i got you I got you. Okay. All right. Fair game. Uh, definitely looking elsewhere from that fight, if it's even on. Of course, we'll keep you updated on Rotowire MMA. We got breaking news here, uh, you know, all day long. People watching the wires to make sure that everything is up to date for you. We got one more main card fight to break down here before we get into a couple of DraftKings value plays. I want to talk about Al Iaquinta and Paul Felder. Iaquinta's 8,200. Felder's 8,000. Fight's essentially a pick em. Iaquinta's minus 115. Felder minus 105 here. Um, who you got in this one, John? I took Iaquinta. I'm not overly confident about it. It's obviously a very close fight, as both the odds and the salaries would indicate. Um, the key to this fight is simply going to be where it takes place. Um, Paul Felder's a better striker. He's the more physical striker. Um, any fight that, if this fight takes place on the feet for a long period of time, Felder is going to have a fairly significant advantage. That being said, Iaquinta's striking has improved since he entered the UFC, and he is the much better wrestler of the two. Um, Iaquinta averages, it's only just over 1.2 takedowns per fight. 
He's a better wrestler than that number would indicate. Um, his takedown accuracy is terrible, under 30%. But the constant threat of the takedown allows him to do a decent job on the feet and really essentially more or less just mess with his opponent's game plan. Um, Felder's career takedown defense is barely over 60%, which is awful. And um, I think Felder might have problems. I'm not saying Iaquinta is going to do a ton of damage if he gets him down, but he should be any, every second that he can get Keith Felder pinned to the mat is a second Felder can't stand in front of him and blast him with a bunch of strikes. So this is a really close fight. This is good matchmaking um, from, from Dana White in the UFC. Um, Iaquinta hasn't fought a lot. He's very active on social media, selling real estate around the corner from the house. Um, I went to high school with him. I don't remember him being that out there in high school. He apparently is now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, Al doesn't fight, but he recently signed a new deal and has, you know, a nice lucrative contract on his belt. So he's ready to go. And uh, this should be a good fight. Um, arguments can be made for both guys. Um, I equipped it can get a little lazy with his striking defense. If you believe that and you believe that Felder, you know, can pop him enough, you know, to take a decision, that's certainly a valid opinion. Mm-hmm. Look at the other way. Felder's takedown defense is no good. If you think he's going to spend a lot of time on his back, that would lead I equipped to, to be able to grind out a decision. So both guys have, you know, passed the victory. I took Iaquinta, not overly confident about it. Should be a good fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going with Rage and Al as well, John. And uh, this is an interesting one because our, our staff picks are almost split down the middle. I mean, you can't have an even split with seven people, but it's four to three in favor of Iaquinta. And, and, and I can see why. You know, I look at this by the numbers to start with. You know, odds, salaries aside, it tells you it's a pick. I mean, that's probably right. Uh, but but the numbers, you know, you give Iaquinta the edge in, in striking volume, striking differential, takedown average, takedown defenses. Uh, uh, I mean, Felder's two inches taller, but reaches are equal. So, you know, that, those numbers are the same. I, I know Felder's uh, been a little better of late here, but, you know, Iaquinta, even though he hasn't been super active, he's still a younger fighter. He has wins against Kevin Lee, Ross Pearson, Joe Lauzon, uh, Jorge Masvidal, most recently Diego Sanchez. That, uh, that doesn't really count as a quality win at this stage. But, uh, you know, Felder's got a lot of wins, but I had a tough time coming up. There was no standout signature win or best win in there. So, uh, you know, when it was that close and one fighter has the edge in, in so many stats and, and resume bullets, I, I think I got to go Rage and Al here with you. But but this is a pick em, and I don't, I don't touch this fight in any DraftKings lineups because there's there's a lot uh, a lot that could happen here too many variables for me good fight good way to kick off the card well we'll see if it still kicks off the card in case the the pettis chiesa has to be uh has to be shuffled around at all but anyway an excellent fight here and i think we're going to be in agreement on this one but john going to move to the last part of our show here you know you've got habib um, you know, giant favorite here. Uh, there are a couple other pretty big favorites on the card, most notably Carolyn Kowalkovich, who I think is, or Kowalkevich, I'm sorry, pronunciations, man. Uh, Kowalkevich, who I think um, she is is worthy of her price tag as well. You look at the very first opener, you got Magomed Shiropov is 9,500, one of the highest prices you'll see on DraftKings. You want to work some favorites in your lineup here, especially in GPPs where you want to kind of take that stars and scrubs approach and maybe grab a couple long shots. But looking over the card top to bottom here, you know, including undercards, any value plays potentially jump out at you? Any guys that are below 8,300, below 8,000 even that that have a pretty good chance to win or or at at least more than a more than a puncher's chance, someone that could help you set yourself apart in GPPs? Yeah, 
You know, well, I think what you just mentioned, the uh, Felice Herrig, uh, Carolina Kolkiewicz fight. I picked Carolina, but Felice Herrig is only 7,200, and she's crazy strong. One of the strongest women in the company. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that over the course of a three-round fight that Herrig could just keep Carolina pinned to the mat and grind out the decision. She so, literally you know, made she, a fighter poop herself once. That happened. Yeah. Yeah, she's 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 crazy strong. So if you if you know you're just trying to really you don't like any of your options and you only have you know seventy two hundred or seven grand to spend in that area, mm-hmm. you know she's not a bad play. Uh, Olivier Obama Mercier and Evan Dunham are both eighty one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, fight, which is a little bit awkward because it's two guys who fight similarly, two guys who are really all about just wrestling and grinding and making it an ugly fight. Um, so that's, you know, at both 8,100, that's essentially a pick Um And the other guy uh, who I thought was a pretty decent value is Mike Rodriguez early in the fight against Evan Clark at 7,800. Relatively unknowns, unknown both guys, uh, about both guys. Not a lot of experience in the UFC. But Rodriguez is more... We've got more looks at Clark, you know, which I wasn't overly impressed. So, mm-hmm. again, but that's always a little risky, like the key as a Pettis thing we were talking about before. It's always a little risky to bet against the guy as opposed to bet for the other guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there are a few, you know. Yeah. You know. It's, it's a good fighter at 7,000. You know, he's facing Ray Borg, who's very good. But, you know, there are some underdogs who, as opposed to some of the cards we see, particularly the European cards where – if you're trying to find a value play at, you know, 7,000 or 7,500 or whatever, it's extremely difficult. There are some on this card, at least. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's uh, difficult. Now, now to listeners out there, I swear we didn't collude on this beforehand. We both kind of come up with our value plays. But I'm right there with you, John. I will take a guy who's a minus 150 betting favorite um, at 8,100, and that's Evan Dunham, who I'm talking about. They're both, he's the same price as OAB, but that line's, uh, you know, you, that, that's stretched far away enough from a pick So the numbers guy in my head wants to uh, follow the money and go with Dunham. And uh, so Dunham and uh, and Moicano are the two guys that I use in what, I, what I'll call my A lineup. Uh, you know, if I use Dunham and Moicano, and then, you know, I throw in Joanna, who's, who's a pretty good price, and and then I throw in Habib, and then you know I can I can fit some larger favorites in. You know I, I I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at that $9,500 Magomed Shirapov because why not? He's been pretty dominant. But John, I like how you mentioned Mike Rodriguez as well. He's 7,800 um, going against Devin Clark here. I'm going to double check Clark's salary, but I want to say it's like 8,400 or something ridiculous. And this is a pick 'em fight, guys. I mean. Vegas says both guys literally have an equal chance of winning. And I know Rodriguez is very new. He's someone that came on uh, through Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. Uh, Yeah, so Clark is 8,400 and Rodriguez is 7,800. So, I mean, Rodriguez at 7,800, again, less than the average uh, cost per fighter. That's one thing. And, you know, you look at Devin Clark's resume, he he hasn't exactly been a a world beater in in any case. And, uh, and, um, you know, there's very much a case for that. I couldn't quite afford him. 
I had to go with Chris Grutzmacher in a lineup just to be able to fit in Magomed Shiropov and Jacek and uh, and uh, Habib because you know some high priced guys in there. So I went with him against Joel Alzon. That was kind of a, a close betting odds compared to actual salary thing. Uh, but there's a lot going on. I mean, there's there's definitely some values, and it's it's going to be a fun card to play. I'm going to be playing this card a lot more than I had in a lot of the cards leading up to it uh, in March and February for sure. It is. It is. It's a deep card, and uh, on a positive note to wrap wrap up the pod. Ariel Helwani is reporting that Mike Piazza will be fighting Saturday. Multiple cuts on his face. None too serious. Didn't need any stitches. So it sounds like he'll be ready to go. Oh man, the MMA, the MMA gods, after cursing this event from the start with the with the Tony Ferguson fluke injury and the whole uh, Conor McGregor circus, they finally uh, they finally granted a blessing here. Something uh, something to stay in text. That's good news. I think most of our analysis for that fight holds true. Still, I mean, taking a chance at Pettis is still pretty risky, but not completely out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but it's good to see that at least the pay per view card here will remain intact john so uh that's good news thanks for hunting that down for sure no problem so you got your main card set you got a deep undercard it's a good it's a good show i know dana white said it was trending to be the biggest event since ufc 205 uh we'll see if that happens i'm sure i'm sure everybody was kind of hoping connor would be crashing the proceedings uh i'd probably turn that crashing a jail cell at this point uh, yeah crashing something it probably won't be the event but uh should be a good card and uh you know after this the next couple pay-per-views i would say on paper at least not as strong as this one so exactly yeah so definitely get your fill while you can here the next pay-per-view john that we'll be talking about uh in may is amanda nunez against raquel pennington it also looks like uh, rafael Rafael dos Santos and colby covington are going to be there covington's return to brazil is at least a little bit of an intriguing storyline a couple of real quick housekeeping things as always, follow Rotowire MMA on Twitter and check out rotowire.com. Uh, like I said, we've got breaking news writers watching Twitter, so you don't have to, and we'll get you any fight uh, restructuring notes uh, You know, as soon as that news comes out. Uh, of course, you know, we, uh, there's, there's just a lot of content that can help you out here. Uh, and, and anyone, if they want to check out the other DFS content, MLB's in full swing. I'm winning money doing that already. Um, you know, rotowire.com slash free for a free 10-day trial gets you everything there you need to know um john is on twitter at j-o-n-l-i-t-t-e-r-i-n-e you can follow me on twitter at jakeski 52 and a special announcement i want to work in at the end uh, uh a couple of the guys that uh you know have reached out to me on twitter and a couple current contributors are going to do a little bit of a live q a dfs breakdown friday afternoon after weigh-in so john and i like to cover the main card for you throw out a couple value plays and uh and give you the preview those guys are going to introduce a little bit of a Q&A aspect they're going to call it fight iq and that will be live on the rotowire youtube channel uh right after uh the weigh-ins on friday on tomorrow so uh hopefully everything st- continues to stay intact thanks again for joining me john and uh, we're going to be back with you guys before ufc 224 nunez versus pennington